Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. Lawrence, hi. It's Will McPherson here from the Evening Standard. Hello, Will. What's up? Well, I'm writing a feature about great rugby teams. And as you played in more than a couple, I'm thinking the Premiership winning Wasp team of 96 and, of course, England in 2003, to name just two. I thought I'd ask you what it takes to produce a truly great team. Well, my friend, it takes skill. Right. And it takes dedication. You've got to be focused and committed right to the end game. Yep. Putting in the hours. Precisely. And it takes time. As it happens, Will, these are the same things it takes to brew an outstanding amber ale like London Pride, sponsor of this very podcast. And more importantly, one of my favourite beers. I guess it also takes support, especially from the fans. The way they get behind their teams drives those extra yards. I couldn't agree more. And Fuller's London Pride are showing their support as the official beer partner for Premiership Rugby. Awesome. You've been a great help, mate. Thank you. And you've also made me strangely thirsty. Lawrence Delalio's Rugby Podcast, supported by Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of Premiership Rugby. Support with pride and remember to drink responsibly. Hello, I'm Lawrence Delalio and welcome to my rugby podcast. It's all about the Premiership this week. Of course, we had round 17. It's been an interesting round with a lot of very close games. And here with me to discuss it all, I've got Will McPherson, our resident sports journalist from the Evening Standard, who's jetted in from Geneva, especially to be with us. Plus, a true rugby legend who appeared for London Irish on no fewer than 301 occasions. Yes, 301 matches for the men in green. It's, of course, Topsy Ojo. And from Bears Beyond the Gates podcast, it's Bristol fan Tony Cox. Gentlemen, a uh, very warm good afternoon to you all. Topsy, literally 16 years at London Irish, in which you scored, I think, 80 tries. You made your England debut in 2008, scoring on your debut. And you played against New Zealand, I think. Who were you playing on the wing against, just as a matter of interest? Uh, who's my opposite man? Sivivatu. Was on one wing. Oh, just, just glided past him a couple of times. Yeah, he was there. They were all there. Carter played, Nonu played. I mean, they won, of course, but I had my little moment. And listen, I know that you've got, uh, you've obviously got a lot going on. I feel like I'm two-timing you from your boyfriend, David Flatman, because you're, <laughs> you're appearing with him quite regularly these days on ITV. But you're also working as an ambassador for London Irish and, of course, a trustee for the London Irish Foundation. And it looks like you're in some, some training kit there. So I'm assuming you've done a bit of coaching this morning. Yeah, right. balancing a lot of plates. So I'd say my day job, I uh, coach at St. John's School over in Leatherhead, do rugby when it's rugby season. I dip my hand in all sports, really, so it's been going really well, really enjoy that. Will, um, talk to us. You are, as our listeners know, the, uh, the sports journalist for the Evening Standard. I presume you turned your phone off for the last week and um, had a week skiing somewhere. 
I did, yeah. I managed to avoid the various storms, but I've come back to a, a garden fence that's been ripped down. So um, I haven't totally managed to uh, escape the damage of those various storms. But yeah, I had a lovely week away, thank you. But enjoyed last week's podcast very much. I did manage to turn my phone on to listen to that. Oh, good man. And um, where did you manage to go to? I was in France and managed to take in France's victory over Ireland uh, in a French bar. So that was very enjoyable. Tony, what have you been casting your eye over sports-wise over the last couple of weeks? Are you a big international rugby fan and you've been listening to the Six Nations? Oh, absolutely. Love to uh, watch England. Obviously, being so close to the border with Wales, keep a a very interested eye there. Of course, young Harry Randall getting his uh, Six Nations debut against Italy last weekend, which was great for Bristol Bears fans. Yeah, the only disappointment was he was taken off. (laughs) I know lots of us thought, you know, why not give him the full game? Marcus Smith, Harry Randall, Give them the full 80, see what they can do. Yeah, I was um, possibly a little bit harsh on England last week. I sort of listened to the podcast again and I thought to myself, you know, former player, played lots of poor games for England. I'm sure I've lost many games as well. And Italy, you're kind of on a hiding to nothing, but we shall see how the next few rounds unfold. We're going to go straight to the Premiership action from the weekend. Round 17, of course, fascinating round. Worcester v Bristol, Bath, Leicester, Quinns, Wasps, London Irish, Saracens, Northampton, Sale. And we finished on Sunday with Newcastle against Exeter. We're going to start with that game. Tony, really, from your point of view, another defeat for Bristol Bears. I mean, last week they were absolutely thumped 49 points to 32 at home against London Irish. I guess going to Worcester, it's never an easy place, especially with Steve Diamond there now turning things around. But um, what is going on at the Bears? They're nowhere near where they were last season. No, absolutely. It's difficult. I mean, we, we talk about this on the podcast most weeks this season. I mean, the first thing is basics, really. You will have seen in that first half the number of times we knocked the ball forward, forward passes, getting into good positions and then maybe trying the little basketball pass or the chicken wing pass when actually maybe just to take it to ground to get the platform built and actually to score some points. It was a slow start. We got ourselves back into the game. I think at a crucial point right on 40 minutes when we had uh, an attacking line out on their five metres and then just threw it long over the top of the line. And then it looked like we turned the corner. But then in that second half, we were poor. There's no other word for it. Yeah, I mean, I think that they obviously were carving sides open last season. That real ability to find the spaces. Uh, they've always tried to keep the ball alive, haven't they, with Pat's philosophy. But I guess the hallmarks are that they seem to be easy to score against this season, which is always a bit of a worry. You know, last year they scored a lot of points, but they seem to you know maintain their defensive shape and their structure. And really, ever since that defeat against Harlequins... At Ashton Gate in the semi-final. I don't know how much defeats hang over a certain team, you know, but I don't think they've ever recovered from that game, both as a coaching group and as a playing group. I know that Pat has said, oh, we put that to bed very, very quickly, but they seem to be leaking an awful lot of points. And, um, you know, that would be a concern for me. Yeah, and again, I think it's because we cop up possession so much that uh, we can't really build that momentum. As as you know, the best form of defence is attack, really. So if you can keep the ball and keep it in their red zone, that's where the magic happens. I mean, a classic example as well, you know, with Sinclair away, we've got John Afoa injured. We haven't got the strongest of bench for the front row. And, you know, the Northampton game at home, our our pack was backpedalling. We were backpedalling against Worcester in this game. You start conceding penalties and it's very difficult to get on the front foot. 
And Tops, a um, quick word on Bristol before we go to Worcester. I mean, obviously, no Harry Randall, no Andy Uren. You know, they've got a bit of an injury crisis in key positions. But do you see them sort of turning things around and climbing up the table? I think it's going to be too tough. They're too far behind, conceded too many points. They're too far down the table. And I think, touching on what you said, I think there was a bit of a hangover coming to this into this season, which they could have got over with results, with confidence, with belief. But you add into the injuries, you also add in an increased error count. Their game plan is built on high skill, high execution. And if they don't have that, they'll get put under pressure and they'll get punished like we've seen a lot this season. And then you take away the star names that delivered that, it becomes a bit of a spiral. So that's where they're really struggling. They don't have the confidence, the belief or the players on form that they did to execute their game plan week on week. Well, Steve Diamond, he's obviously quite a character in the game. I played against him for many years. He's obviously worked pretty much all over the world and at every single club. Not quite sure whether he left sale on the terms that were reported in the newspapers, but uh, he's landed at Worcester. He seems to have got rid of the people he wanted to get rid of, rather unceremoniously. But I don't know if you saw, he gave a pretty frank interview about what he intends to do to make them tough to beat at home. He said, we've got a wonderful back line, but he said, we need a bit more power up front. And, you know, whatever people think about him, they were on a run of five losing premiership games and you know he's had an instant impact there absolutely i mean diamond everyone knows exactly what he's about he's so uncompromising he's a hard rugby man and uh, he'd become kind of synonymous with sale he'd done just about every job i think he was even acting chief executive at one stage he was so strongly associated with that club that when he left, he was going to have to take some time out of a game and he has done and he's come in at Worcester and his fingerprints are all over them already. As you say, that tough interview, that beautiful backline was on show within five minutes of a game beginning, wasn't it? With Van der Merwe's lovely try from that beautiful kick. That's a massive win for them. You could see the emotion when the final whistle went from those players. They needed to snap that that losing run and they have. And they just pulled away from Bath a little bit at the bottom of the table. Not that, that it means that much down there this year compared to other years. They've given themselves a bit of breathing space, especially with Newcastle not getting the win yesterday. So that was a massive result for Worcester and maybe exactly the kind of, you know, the first step on the path that Diamond's trying to set them on. Yeah, like you say, he doesn't he doesn't mince his words. I think he brought all the players in and said, you're all on notice, basically. You've got the next six weeks to prove that you're part of my plans moving forward. I think he was particularly looking at the forward pack. So we'll keep a very close eye on Worcester. Now, moving on to what was probably another stunning result across the weekend, London Irish 32, Saracens 30. I mean, you know, talk about a team that is really on the up, playing with confidence, playing some outstanding rugby, actually winning games as opposed to losing them in the final few minutes or drawing them. And who better placed than a man who spent 16 years at London Irish to talk us through it. Topsy, you know, it's just superb. I mean, is it the stadium? Is it the coaching? Is it the players? Is it a combination of all of those things? They've obviously got that young academy with the likes of Hassel Collins and so many others. Ben Loder playing brilliantly. Bit of experience in their team as well. And, and let's be honest, you know, some coaches who have been around the block who know what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. It's come over a long time as well. This has been building for a while and having done it on a few occasions, they've built up a confidence and a resolve whereby they go for the 80 minutes and you know they attack Saracens their attack is flourishing as well scoring a load of tries conceded as well Saracens got back in got within a whisker of winning the game and Irish were able to come back and rescue it at the death and I think having been through those experiences now there is a belief that they're never beaten and that's very evident now whether it's home or away you know you look at some of the draws you look at the home wins you touched on the home stadium I think they're building something really good there nice new stadium building a new fan base and the rugby they're playing is helping grow that as well, which is really good. They're just confident at the moment, enjoying their rugby, winning different ways as well, and it is standing them in good stead. 
There's very little to choose between, I think it's Harlequins in fourth place, right the way down, I think, to Exeter. I mean, I think there's literally about seven or eight points separating all those teams. So it's maybe a bit premature, but as we're going into round 18, I mean, Irish are the sort of team you don't want to be playing against right now. I mean, do you genuinely think that they can make the playoffs and potentially push for for further honours? Yeah, I think so, because, you know, they've almost earned the right to be in that mix. You look at that cluster of teams, I mean, almost every game now going forwards could potentially be a knockout game. You know, I think Irish play Leicester and Sale very soon as well. You're thinking, right, one wing and you're leapfrogging the other or dropping down. So it's become very, very tight. I think Irish play Harlequins start of April as well. They play Northampton end of March in their Paddy's Day game. So you're taking on teams in and around you and it could be the difference between finishing top four or not. So big games on the horizon, but with their form and confidence, you wouldn't bet against them sneaking in. Well, Will, I'm going to move on to Harlequins against Wasps. I guess uh, Quinn's a team you cover more than most. They'll just be happy to get back to winning ways, won't they, Harlequins? They were on, a, I think, a, a three-match losing streak. Quite surprised to see Joe Marler ask for permission from Eddie Jones to leave the England training camp to go back to play for Harlequins. Obviously, a good relationship with his coach there. And sounds like Wasps, who have had a lovely little run themselves, beating some of the top teams, just left it a little bit late or conceded too many points a little bit too early. But Quinn's sort of back on track. And I guess it's important for them that they stay in and around that top four while they're missing the likes of Don Brandt, Smith and a few other players. Yeah, exactly. Quinn's are kind of a victim of their own success this year and that they're losing players to England duty or international duty more generally that they wouldn't have done in previous years of these guys, as you mentioned, Smith and Don Brandt, develop and become England internationals. They're going to have to get used to life without them. I thought it was actually a hell of a result for Quinn's to win that game. As you say, Wasp came in in form. They've got a few players coming back, but Quinn's kind of showed off the best of their attacking game. They've got this kind of endless supply of wingers, haven't they? Liner coming off the bench and scoring that cracking try. Esther Hazen was so central once more. He kind of, even when he hasn't got Smith inside him, he and Kerr seem to link up so well. So that was a really, really important result for Quinn's, even if, you know, they, they, they scored five tries, only got two conversions. They didn't get as many points from a boot. They might have thought that they could be a bit further ahead of Wasps, who mounted a pretty spirited comeback at the end. Yeah, listen, great to see uh, Jack Willis back on the field. I think he played nearly a half of rugby. I mean, it's no surprise that Lee Blackett and uh, John Mitchell and that Wasps team have suddenly started to put some results together with the likes of Feketoa, you know, Launchbury, Barbary, you know, the Willis brothers coming back from injury. But I think it was nearly a year to the day that Jack Willis was injured in that tackle from Negri. So credit to him for the journey that he's been on. And, uh, you know, obviously a massive positive that he's back on the field. Tony, I'm going to come to you. I'm hoping you might have caught up with some of the highlights on BT Sport. But Northampton Sale, again, another extraordinary result, really. And I suppose similar to Wasps, Alex Sanderson is sort of getting one or two players back from injury and uh, managed to hold on for a one-point uh, victory. What, what did you make of that game? Yeah, absolutely. You can see the likes with Faf de Klerk coming back to Alagi. I know he's got gone off to England now, but yeah, I mean, that was a really good win. And as Bristol fans, we face sail over two games in the Champions Cup. And I'll be honest, we're not looking forward to that. Maybe a few weeks ago, we thought that that was an OK draw, but that's going to be tough. No, I mean, just as you've all said, that top nine is just incredibly close. And I think Sale will be right there in the mix now, right there in the mix come the end of the season. Tops, just just on, on that, we had scrum half Alex Mitchell up against uh, Rafi Quirk. Obviously, we've got Ben Youngs, who's, who's still going strong, uh, about to break the record with England, probably against Wales, and young Harry Randall. I mean, where do you sit with the guys that sit just behind, you know, those that are in Eddie Jones' squad? I mean, Quirk and, and Mitchell, um, you know, going head-to-head, two very talented players. 
Yeah, it was a good battle. And like, it's great that we have that quality now. I mean, I'd be happy with either one of them starting a test match as it goes. You know, very good. I'm happy to see Randall play Quirk as well, all scrapping to kind of get in and be that next nine. And I think they need to be exposed more because, you know, I mean, Ben Young's been incredible. He'll break the record, 115 caps. And then after that, is it Harry Randall with five or six next behind him? I mean, that's what 100 odd caps between your first choice and whoever your second choice nine is, is far too many. So we need to see more of these guys, the rest of the Six Nations going forwards as well. But I mean, it's great, you know, talking about Sale, the fact that now they've got Faf to pick from and Rafi getting fit players back at the right time of the season. I, I mean, it's brilliant. And, you know, having watched that game, Sale probably shouldn't have won. But again, when things are going, your way and you're on a good run of form you know you get Northampton missing that last kick of the game and you ride your luck and you move on to the next round and I guess uh, Tony from your perspective uh, the sight of AJ McGinty who's clearly a very important player for sale and uh, is, is on his way to Bristol I mean I bet Bristol fans are quite looking forward to you know to having someone that's maybe a little bit calmer with a bit of experience there and certainly knows how to get the best of those around him. 100% uh, when that was announced, it was, you know, we we went on the, the kind of fan boards for sale and they couldn't believe that they were letting McGinty go, obviously not knowing that it would follow up with a few days later that Ford was ramping. But definitely, you know, Callum Sheedy's done a great job for us over the years. But to have someone of McGinty's experience and that little bit of magic, I think that's really going to help us next season. I'm going to stick with you because it's uh, your nearest rivals, Bath, um, who you've got to be said are improving, but uh, still not able to get over the line. I couldn't believe that stat that Leicester haven't won down at the wreck for that many years. They, they seem to have won everything for so many years, but obviously they'd be pleased to get that monkey off their back. But I guess some encouraging signs with the likes of Faletau. Having said that, he'd probably be, probably be joining up with the Wales squad now that he's fit again, but uh, some encouraging signs for Bath. But ultimately it was Leicester that prevailed. Yeah, and uh, our nearest and dearest, I can't say that we shed too many tears when Bath had beaten. You know, we've lent them Nathan Hughes to try and give them a little bit of help, but... Uh, in all seriousness, now I think I think things look like they're starting to come together at Bath. One or two players, as you say, coming back, and you know, West Country Rugby, Bristol, Bath, Gloucester. We love it, and uh, you know, we want to see all three teams doing well. So I do hope that Stuart Hooper and Bath can really start to turn a corner now. Yeah, Leicester just powering on, only two defeats in the league, and then Newcastle just losing out on a match to Exeter, and I guess. Tops for for them, it's quite an important game, Exeter, because they've lost their way of late. They're in a very unfamiliar territory in terms of their chasing now to try and make that top four. So they would have been desperate just to pick up points, particularly on the road in a tough place like Newcastle. Yeah, that was a huge win for them, especially, you know, they were up a man for the majority of the game as well. I think Callum Chick saw red like very early on and it looked like Newcastle were going to pull it off until the last few minutes. So, I mean, big for Exeter in terms of, again, it's been a tough year. You know, again, players not in form, injuries, not having maybe that aura that they used to have, teams going down to Sandy Park and winning, them going away and struggling. So any sort of win is great for them, getting through this Six Nations period and just giving themselves a chance. But as we've seen with the likes of Sale and Wasps, they get their first choice team back for a run-in through April and May. You never know. You wouldn't write against them going on a bit of a run, but they have got a lot of work to do. Absolutely. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. I mean, that rounds up all of the games from round 17. And I'm going to ask you who you thought was the outstanding player of round 17 in the Premiership. Outstanding with Fuller's London Pride. I'm going to kick things off and a slightly sentimental and one that's close to home, just to see Jack Willis back on the rugby field after a year. I went through the similar operation, but I think he's had a lot more complications. This is not the first time, but maybe the second time he's had to deal with that in his career. You know, all that hard work, he's had a few setbacks along the way. And I think just to finally see him back on the field with his brother playing a half of rugby, you know, just deserves a little bit of extra recognition. So he is my outstanding player of the week. Tony, who are you going for? Well, I must admit, I am going to be a little bit Bristol biased. It's a mention in dispatches rather than player of the round. And that's uh, Johan Lloyd, because the guys played 11, 12, 14 and 15 this season. Of course, we've had the curse of the scrum halves and he had to stand in at nine. And he was having to ask Wayne Barnes, is it all right if I stand here when, uh, (laughs) you know, on their putting? So, uh, Johan Lloyd, I think he'll be cutting the grass and washing the shirts next. He, he's, he's doing everything at Bristol. So hats off to Johan Lloyd. Brilliant. Great spot there. Tops? My player of the round, it was actually going to be Duan van der Merwe. I just think coming back from international duty when Worcester needed a performance, he stepped up and that's what you want your big money signings to do. So. And Will, other than your, um, your ski instructor, who else was outstanding this weekend? I'm going to spin off your one a little bit, if that's all right, Lawrence. Obviously, Jack Willis' story was, was unbelievable. And it was great to see him back getting a turnover as well in his little cameo on the field. But actually, my outstanding player is Tom Willis. At the moment, he's still kind of talked about as Jack Willis's brother, I think. (laughs) I don't think we'll be doing that for long. I think they'll both play for England. I hope they'll play for England together. He was immense for Wasps on Saturday. I think he beat more defenders than any other player this weekend. So I'm going to give it to Tom Willis. He's going to step out of Jack's shadow over the next few years, I think. Well, there's certainly a lot of good number eights in the country, but he, he does feel like a natural number eight as opposed to one that's been asked to play there. Tony, your time has come. Bears Beyond the Gates. This is a podcast hosted by yourself, along with your mates, Lee, Pete and Miles. All season ticket holders all live in the BS3 postcode. What's so special about BS3 is that it must be quite close to the stadium, I'm no doubt. So you're showing your true allegiance. Give us a little bit of a, an insight into your pod, why you do it, what sort of relationship you have with the club. Gosh, that's a lot of questions in one go, Lawrence. Let me see if I can uh, get through them. BS3, that's where Ashton Gate is. We started the podcast. I, for years, been a big West Ham fan and I was listening to a West Ham podcast because I can't get to London that much to see games. I always felt closer to the club because you could get a fan's perspective rather than what you see on the telly or read on the papers. So I said to the guys after one game, let's start a Bristol Bears podcast. Nobody was doing it. So we gave it a go. First one sat around my kitchen table, didn't really know what we were doing. 
we expected a couple of dozen people to tune in. And then I think we had about 200 people after the first 24, 48 hours. So uh, we've just done our 101st episode last night. Wow. Yeah, we set out from the very first, to be very clear, it's a fans podcast. So we weren't going to get too close to the club because we wanted to keep that independent view. Having said that, we've had Pat Lamb on. Pat came on for our 50th episode. I did joke to him that if he wanted to come back for the 100th, he'd have to win another trophy because we just won the European Challenge Cup. He didn't, so I was true to the word. And we had Joe Joyce, uh, the King of Southmead, one of our Bristolian heroes, uh, come on for the, the 100th edition. So we do get players on. We've got a great relationship with the club, and they're always very happy to help us. But it's really about the fans and the fan perspective and being a voice for fans locally. And listen, uh, well done, because you answered all of that and more. Speaking about the fans, obviously, you know, we've all been through the highs and lows of following our clubs, respectively. Well, I mean, what's the feeling? Are they are they a patient bunch at Bristol Bears or are they starting to get a little bit impatient and a little bit upset with results and the way things are working out? Well, I think, you know, just to put the context of the probably the last 25 to 30 years for Bristol, we lived in the shadow of Bath in the 80s and 90s. The club nearly went out of business in the late 90s. We had that near a decade in the wilderness in the championship. Yes, we've had a bit of glory over the last two or three seasons, but I think Bristol fans are really realistic. I think when we reflect back on last season, we probably overachieved. There were lots of games that we won right at the death were very close. Having said that, we have definitely underachieved this season. So expectations have grown and people want to see us well, first and foremost, win games. And I think to win games, we do need to maybe have more of a plan B and plan C rather than, you know, this all action running game that Pat's instilled. It's great when it works, but unfortunately, it's not working as often as it did over the last couple of years. No, here, here. Uh, listen, we wish you all the very best for that podcast, Tony, and, and we'll certainly be tuning in. But uh, we are now going to move to our competition where we'll test the rugby trivia knowledge on... Uh, are over the line or in the bin. Now, we know that Top scored 80 tries over the line um, and wasn't quite as many times as I was in the bin, but <laughs> not, <laughs> not, far, not far off. So, Will, over to you. Over the line or in the bin with Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of Premiership Rugby. Thanks, Lawrence. Yeah, you know how this works by now, but just to explain to any new listeners, I'm going to give you a piece of rugby trivia and you have to decide if you think it's true and therefore over the line or false and thus in the bin. So here goes. Leicester Tigers are still comfortably top of the Premiership table after this weekend's action. The team are famous for their green, red and white jerseys, which they've been wearing since 1895. But when the club was first formed back in 1880, their original jerseys were black and orange. Is this over the line or in the bin? I'll come to Tony first, then Topsy, then Lawrence last. I'm guessing with Leicester Tigers, that's over the line. I reckon that was the original strip. Topsy? Uh, I'm going to go in the bin. Black and gold, did you say? Black and orange. Black and orange, yeah. Mm. Sounds plausible. Sounds believable, doesn't it? So it might have to be over the line for me. Is in fact... In the bin! Well done. Oh, no. <laughs> Topsy. What man? The original club colours were just black and their nickname was the Death or Glory Boys. Well, listen, uh, Topsy, well done on, uh, on, on winning that. All I'm, sure right. I'm mean, here all week. Sure, sure it means a lot to you. <laughs> well, listen, we are going to take a look at the matches coming up this weekend in round three of the Six Nations, a really crucial sort of pivotal round for everyone, quite frankly. Scotland 
play France. You know, France think they've already played their toughest game against the Irish, but the trips to Murrayfield are never easy. Of course, England play Wales, and you'd like to think with Ireland and France next up for England, this is a game they have to win and, and to give themselves a bit of confidence for the rest of the title. And then Ireland... Uh, host the Italians in Dublin. So, uh, Tots, are going to start with you. Scotland, France. How do you see that one working out? Finn Russell, as good as he was against England, and he was exceptional. I mean, if you put a highlights clip together of his in the next game against Wales, I'm not sure he'd be particularly pleased with his own performance. So, a uh, bit of a come down for the Scots. Can they bounce back? Yeah, chalk and cheese, isn't it? Hero to zero in a week. It's tough. Especially looking at their injury list now, I'm like, right, you're just starting to chip away at what made them so good in week one. That being said, I think we see in the Six Nations, home advantage gives you a response, especially off the back of a a losing performance. And as much as France are in a great spot, playing fantastically well, superstars everywhere, if there was almost ever a chance for Scotland to step up and turn them over, it could be this weekend. So I'm going to go out there and say I think Scotland will sneak this one. I don't know how, but I can see them getting over the line. Well, I'll tell you how. They, they did it last season. They beat England last season. They beat France last season. And they lost to Wales and Ireland. So they've got it in their locker to beat the sides that maybe they're not fancy to beat and lose the other ones. So, uh, yeah, that's a big and bold call. Just a, a quick one from you on England. I mean, obviously, you know, the cavalry will come back. Courtney Laws, we expect to play again. Joe Launch, we might even come into contention having... He's let Nick Azikwe go, so I think he's pretty confident on his second row partnership. And then, of course, the big news will probably be Tuolangi finally playing in the centre and finally allowing Slade probably to do what he's very good at, which is not trucking the ball up into midfield. Yeah, definitely. I, I think there should be, hopefully, please, Eddie, a better balance to the England team this week. I mean, it's going to be a brilliant game back at Twickenham, big crowd. I like to think England will say, right, OK, we're back now. We've had our win. We've got players back. We're in good form. Let's put in a performance. So I see England winning that one. And Tony, for you, um, a word on England-Wales. I mean, Dan Bigger, outstanding again. I mean, I'm not supposed to like Welsh rugby players, but I really do like him. It's some, you know, you'd want him in your team. You know, he's one of those kind of players that really stood up and performed. They've got so many injuries, haven't they, across the board with, with some of their experienced players out. But again, it is England, the team that they love to beat. Can you see an upset here, or do you think England will uh, produce their best performance of the championship so far? I think they will. I agree with Topsy. I think two away games coming back to Twickenham, 80,000 in there, you know, Wales will always be up for that trip but uh, I think we will just have too much in our locker Uh, it will be tight but I think England will win and will the Italians travel to Ireland and as much as Ireland will be disappointed with the way that they lost to France the rugby for me was at a slightly different level in that game than anything we've seen in the championship so far and they really are a side that Albeit, yeah, you know, France ended their nine-match winning streak, but they really are a side that seem to know the direction that they're travelling in. You know, they're, they're a very settled team. There seems to be competition, you know, right under every single position, you know, with guys that have got a lot of caps being left out the team. So, you know, they're in a good place at the moment, aren't they? And, and I would imagine that they'll do to Italy what England were unable to do, which is put on a lot of points. Yeah, I expect so. I don't think that Italian losing run is going to going to end this weekend um i expect it to go on to 35 uh, ireland looks such a well-oiled machine as you say they've got so much experience so many guys with caps i think james lowe's back in the squad as well this weekend to provide a bit of competition to matt hansen who's come in and made such an impact i think sexton will probably be back as well 
I think both weekends so far of the Championship, Italy have played on the Sunday and have been pretty well beaten overall. I think that they're playing on Sunday again this weekend. I think it'll be even heavier this time. Well, listen, uh, Topsy's gone for three home wins with Scotland. Um, I have to say that I think France have probably got just enough to sneak it. I think their forwards, the likes of Wokey and Aldrich, might just do enough. And I think I'll agree with with both yourself and Tony that, that England and Ireland will will take the spoils at Twickenham and in Dublin, respectively. That's all for the episode of Lawrence Delaneo's Rugby Podcast. My thanks to Top CEO Joe, Tony Cox, Will McPherson. Tony, please make sure that the Bristol Bears don't turn things around in time for WASP next weekend. Um, you know, may the run go on. But listen, we wish you all the very best with the podcast. Thanks for coming on the show, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And if you have, please make sure you give us a little like and a subscribe so you don't miss any more episodes. See you next week. Lawrence Delalio's Rugby Podcast, supported by Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of Premiership Rugby. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.